Hey Rebel Souls, welcome back to the Rebel Rising podcast with me, your host, Katie. Today I am joined by one of my favorite authors and uh, she is a Hay House author and spiritual life and business coach, Liz Roberta. Welcome. Hi Katie, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming. I am absolutely cannot wait for this conversation. I was just speaking to you before we got started about how I know very little about what we're going to talk about, which really interests me because it gives for good conversation, some good aha moments and lots of uh, real reactions, which I love as well. So I always kick off the podcast by my guests introducing themselves and just telling us a bit about like your journey and what's brought you to today. Oh my goodness, where to begin? Um, Well, first of all, I'll say I have a book called Living in Tune and I kind of tell the whole story in there, but I'll do a brief summary, which is that I've always been spiritual. So ever since I was a child, I was into witchy things. I would do spells. I would cut out spells from Ms. Magazine, if anyone remembers that. And I would literally go into town on a Saturday in year six with my five pound pocket money to buy a pink candle, some rose oil, some incense. And I would do these spells literally to like make a boy like me or to do well in my spelling test. I always had that belief in manifestation, didn't have the word manifestation until my mid twenties, but I always had that very, very strong belief. Like there was no doubt that I had the power to do witchcraft and it was very much within me. Now I hadn't got this from anywhere. I went to a Catholic school. My mum, as I've got older, I've realized she is a bit witchy, but my childhood was all Christian, you know, pray three times a day, go to church. My brother's actually a reverend now. So that kind of spiritual side of me that I know it as now, tarot cards, crystals, like that was never around me, but it was always within me. So I believe in past lives and I very much think that I was just returning to these practices that I had used over and over and over again. It was very, very natural and innate within me. Then as I got older, I followed a very normal path in quotes. I started off investment banking, then I went into fashion and then entrepreneurship is my third career. And I really went into entrepreneurship um, just wanting freedom, like a lot of entrepreneurs do. I despised being in an office. I'm really a lone wolf. I'm an introvert. I like to be on my own, be at home and work on my own. I hate group work, always have. So (laughs) I just hated that kind of corporate life. And everyone around me seemed to thrive or at least not hate it. So I was like, what is wrong with me? Like it felt like torture and clearly it wasn't but it felt so, so, so bad. So I was looking for an out. I went for entrepreneurship um, and it wasn't actually the first business that I did this one. I actually did an Amazon FBA business. Then I did um, Shopify drop shipping. And then this was actually my third business that was never even meant to be a business. So I started this Instagram account in May, 2018, and I was posting inspirational quotes. And the reason I'd done that was because I had a yoga brand on Amazon and I had an Instagram account with it. And I realized I was blogging every week for that website. I was 
posting on their Instagram and the ones that were more wordy were getting way more traction. So I was like, hmm. And as you know, entrepreneurship is all about trial and error, experimenting. And, you know, they were just doing way, way better than my other types of content. So I was like, okay, what if I start a new Instagram page and just do that type of content? Now, it wasn't my name. It wasn't my face. It was called Millennial Manifesto. I had a little logo as the headshot. No pictures of me. Totally unidentifiable. And then... It just kind of grew organically from there. And a lot of it was based around trying to get a book deal. That was always my number one aim. That took a few years. I was blogging every week, trying to build my social media presence, which is required for being an author. And after doing that for a while, I was like, I'm spending so much time doing all of this work to become an author. I need to get paid. So then I was like, right, what can I do to get paid? What can I do right now? And I'd read Tarot since I was 14. So I was like, okay. I've read tarot for my friends at sleepovers for like ever over half my life. So I can do that right now without having to train in anything. I can do it right now. I did actually buy four books on Amazon and read them cover to cover about tarot just to like fill any gaps. As you do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I knew people would resonate with that. Like, yeah. So like read them cover to cover and I was like, okay, now I'm ready to do it. So then I started offering tarot readings. Then I started coaching um, and that was one-to-one coaching. And now I do a lot of groups. I have membership programs, all the things, but it was all very, very organic. I don't have a story that's like, oh, within six months of becoming an entrepreneur, right? made $200,000 or anything like that. That's not been my story at all. And I I love the way you say that you just started like the Instagram for, well, I suppose as part of your yoga business, just to get some traction on it. But then you naturally picked up that, okay, the, this is the way the market is going. This is the way Instagram is going and this is what I need to be doing. And that grew arms and legs. Did you then turn that page into your business page or did you just start a new page then as Liz No, Roberta? started a whole new one. Yeah. Okay. And with your um, books, you always wanted to be an author. No, not always. So I never made the decision to be an author. It was very much something that was like assigned to me. So I was working in fashion at the time. We're going back to like 2016, 2017 here. I was an assistant merchandiser and I'd be walking down the corridors, like really cliche, in my little heeled boots, carrying these hangers with clothes on to like a photo shoot or a press meeting or, you know, stuff like that. And I'd be walking along, tottering along in my heels, and then I'd get these like words just coming in and there'd be random little spiritual teachings and like nuggets of wisdom. And I'd catch them all in my phone notes. I'd be like, oh, and if anyone listening has had this, you know what it's like when that download comes in, we call it a download where it's just like, Bzz, and you have to catch it. Because if you try and remember it, it goes away. I have this all the time when I'm driving and I'm like trying to hold it, my mind drifts and then I'm like, Oh God, it's yeah. gone forever. So you have to catch it. And I caught them all in my phone notes. And then one day I was scrolling and I was like, holy crap, this is huge. And I copied them all onto a Word doc, 30,000 words of notes. Oh, wow. And I was like, whoa, okay. So we're writing a book. Like, <laughs> like I know you've obviously went to university and so did I. And like bachelor's and master's dissertations are 10,000 words. And I thought that was a lot. And I was like, wait, I've got 30,000 words of notes. Like they weren't organized, obviously. But I, then I realized, oh, okay, I'm meant to write a book. So I never, ever decided I wanted to be an author. I did economics at university. Like I followed that very like business 
matsy type path. I did love writing. Um, and looking back, it's super obvious because like I got double A star in English, lingu- uh, English language and literature, um, like loved it. It was easy peasy. But I, you know, as I talk about in Living in Tune, I never followed the easy path or like what I enjoyed at all, like totally the opposite. And if I had done, then things would have been very, very different. You've just touched on something there, like following the easy path of what our heart or what we really want to do often can feel like the hardest route to take. Um, And I think a lot of us push it away. I've had many conversations with friends of mine, actually Elaine, who I know you've been on Elaine's podcast. And I feel that I, there's something like I've always been drawn to cards specifically, like tarot cards, angel cards, and, you know, all of these things, but never really explored my gifts in that area. And I think, well, it's two things. It's one is that I actually love what I do and I love marketing and I love content and helping people to create businesses that they love. But also I love that stuff for me. So I do that for me and I, you know, do pull my cards and do my full moon rituals and all the things. And I love it. And yeah, like give me a a natal chart or my human design, anything spiritual. I'm like, yes, give it all to me. Um, But I've never explored it as, say, a career option or something that I would do. So for for anyone listening that is maybe a bit like me or is thinking about doing it as a career, like where do you go from there? What happens? How do you decide? How do you know where to go? Oh my goodness. What a question. Again, I think it is all trial and error. I think it's organic. We can get so caught up in our heads like this has to be the one. It has to work first time. And that's just not how it goes. And when I started my business, I very much did the marketing side of things because that's what my master's was. My last job that I did, well, part-time at the beginning of entrepreneurship was lecturing and marketing. So I was like, okay, logical decision. I'm going to help people with this. And I still do help people with it, but it's from more of an intuitive, energetic alignment angle, bringing in all of that knowledge as well. Um, And I think that's often where people start. It's like, okay, this is what I already have skills in. This is what my career was before start there. And I actually think that's the best place to start because you feel confident in it. You've got experience, you've got accolades. Um, So like, even like I said, with the tarot readings, okay, what can I do right now? What do I already know? And I already knew how to read tarot. So I think that's the place to start and always take it as a starting point. And like I said about the Instagram account, just notice what takes off. What do you get the best feedback on? Because things grow legs. That's such a good term that you used. And I think that is such a good sign of where you're being led to because some things are just so easy and so natural and also really, really fun and they get really, really good results. So you just keep honing in on those things and then you get closer and closer and closer to what it is you're meant to be doing. And I also think things are temporary as well. Like I have tattooed on my thigh, this too shall pass. So I also don't think it's like, oh, I'm doing this one thing. That's it for the next 80 years. Like that's me. I don't think that's what happens. I think things are like perfectly in tune for a bit, exactly what you're going to be doing. And then it starts to not feel so good and not work so well. And then you go on to something else. So just taking away this illusion of permanence and that like control around it. So I think we want it to be that way because then we feel most safe and secure. Like this is what it's always going to be if I find that one thing. And I just don't think that's the case because we'd never learn, we'd never grow 
would get bored. So I think with (laughs) business, it's always about adapting and growing and evolving. And one of the things I help people with is their brand awakening, which I know you've had, I know you've had definitely one, maybe two, where you've had like a total (laughs) rebrand. Yes, we've had a few. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, I, I love a pivot and I love to recreate something, rebirth something. And like that, it it generally happens when there's something going on in my life and maybe things are feeling heavy, um, you know, in my, in my own personal life. And what I'll find is that things will happen in my personal life. They start happening in my business, like maybe clients stopping to work with me or maybe this offer not selling that well or something's just going a bit funky. The energy feels off and I will kind of shut down for a couple of days and like go in, you know, inward and really like start to get those downloads that you were talking about and get that guidance that where I want to go in the business and they come through and then I'll be like, okay, so I'm actually going through a bit of that right now <laughs> again. And it's not a rebrand, but more so just the direction in which I want to take the brand. Um, so, yeah, it happens a lot. Is that what how would you describe that? Like, what do you think that is? Mm, I I would just call it just evolution, just the unfolding of your life. And I think that we're not always ready for certain things. I think we have lessons to learn, things to go through at every level or stage of life. It's the same with your business. It's the same with your spiritual journey. It's the same with your relationship. It feeds through to all areas of life where I believe that we're here to learn and to grow and to experience things. It's just to experience as much as possible. So if things were to stay the same all the time, then we'd never experience anything because we'd experience one thing and that would be it. So I just think it's this constant evolution and we're getting the next stage when we're ready for it. And that doesn't mean that we're mentally ready for it. It may seem like a total shock but it's something that we can handle even if it's really really hard then ultimately we'll at some point we'll get out the other side and realize wow I I never saw that coming but somehow I'm out of it now and how do you think so I, I see that a lot of people you know they'll they'll have those right that intuitive guidance of wanting to do something different or wanting to do something else and I've posted about this before it quite a controversial topic in that I truly believe that we need a balance of, you know, both the the data driven, for example, market research and our intuition and what feels good to us. And I do believe that we need to have a balance of both in order to grow a successful business. And I've posted about this before. And that actually was one piece of content that got quite a bit of um, a bit of hype and a bit of a response in the DM. From who? From who? Who's against it? So people, actual spiritual business ah. businesses that, you know, want to solely trust their intuition and their guides for programs and, you know, marketing strategies and content and, and all of that. But where, where do you draw the line between, you know, what going with your intuition and going with the flow versus actually looking at, okay, what's doing well in the market? What's doing well in the industry? What do I need to do 
here? Where would you say you need to draw the line? Oh, such a tough question. But I'm totally with you. I'm all about the masculine, the feminine. Like that's a theme in all of my programs. And when I describe my background, that kind of explains why. You know, I haven't always done this work. I've always done, you know, the business masculine side of things. Um, So I'm not afraid of numbers. I'm not afraid of a spreadsheet. I'm not afraid of any of that stuff, which I think helps because, you know, a lot of people are really scared of numbers and that kind of side of things and have a real aversion to it, which I guess I was fortunate I I didn't have. Um, But in terms of where the line is, I mean, it's definitely a a blurry line, but I would say, I would say it starts with the divine spark. So that's your intuition, that idea, an amazing name. Oh my God, that feels really good. Often doesn't make sense. You know, why am I being led over here? I think that is the intuitive side of it. Then you start to do some research. Maybe you look at other people's pricing and you see how it feels to you because I think it's always both going on at the same time. It's like, okay, this is what other people are charging. That's the research. But you're also not just going to copy someone else's price. You're going to feel into it and then you're going to use your feeling at the same time. But I think it definitely starts with the spark, the inspiration. And I know I found that when I start things from the masculine, like logic, reasoning. Um, They don't tend to do that well. They're not as magnetic. I don't feel as lit up by them. So I think definitely it starts, which actually now I'm saying it kind of makes sense because we call this the feminine energy and it's like giving birth. It's like that very first, first moment where the spark comes in. Then you do your research. Then when you're implementing it again, it's about feeling, okay, what lights me up? And okay, this is the messaging. These are the strategies. This is how to do content. But again, you're not going to do the strategies that you hate or that feel awful every day or feel completely wrong for you. So I think they very much work in tandem. And I kind of see it as like these two snakes just winding together. It's not one or the other. I think it's both. And you you get issues on both sides. You get the the imbalanced feminine, like you said, and they're like, why isn't my business working? You know, I'm flowing. It feels good. Da, da, da not doing any of the strategy. And then you get people doing all the masculine. And basically what they're doing is they're doing all the strategies, essentially like copying other people and not doing what is right for them. So it can go wrong either way. And that's why I think it's so important to balance both, to bring both together. So you have a business that lights you up and that is strategically sound as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that um, having the balance of both as well is what So most of us are here because we want, you know, more freedom. Like generally, that's the term I hear all the time. I want more freedom, freedom of location, freedom of time, freedom of of money. And to have that ultimate freedom, you really need to balance both because, you know, if you want to have that successful business that's going to give you financial freedom, then you need to maybe look at and that's going to give you time freedom as well. Then maybe you need to look at having some things automated, which is definitely more masculine strategic, you know, approach. So, yes, I think having the both is so important. Um, I think that we do have to believe in ourselves and have, you know, trust our intuition and trust our own guidance. But also as well, we've got to have those conversations like having market research calls to see what other people think and to listen to what they want and what they're telling us that they're struggling with. Because we're not mind readers at the end of the day. We can think into our own intuition, but we can't read minds or most of us can't. Um, So I think it is important to have the balance of both. I've also had, you know, some conversations with, I suppose, peers and different masterminds and things like that that have felt like that 
they may be on a spiritual awakening or they may be starting this journey into something more spiritual. And some of them actually have explored different options. So how do you how would you say that that all starts? How does that start for someone or how do we know when something is happening? Do you mean in terms of like spiritual business or just a personal spiritual awakening? Either, either or. Oh, hmm, tough question. So it's not something that anyone else can tell you because it's an entirely personal experience. And this is one of the hard things about spirituality is it's kind of like gaslighting from other people because they haven't had the same experience as you. So they don't believe it's real. Like we can use an example of manifestation, for example, and people thinking manifestation isn't real. But then when you've tried it, you've done it many, many times and it works in these like strange, miraculous ways. You know, I have, they're all like little stories, but I have so many stories of, for example, when I, um, I lost my black skinny jeans and I only had one pair and I could not find them anywhere. And I was, I must've left them at someone's house or something. I don't know. And then I went to my mum's house that evening and she said, Oh, Elizabeth, do you want these black skinny jeans? I don't need them. Uh, And they weren't the same ones. They, these were different black skinny jeans, but I was like, yes, actually I do need some black CDG and like just so many things like that, that make absolutely no sense. Um, and I've had so many experiences like that, that I know manifestation is definitely real for me, but when people have never experienced it, then they're like, it's not real. It's made up. It's confirmation bias, da, da, da. And it's just because they haven't had that experience. So I'm the biggest proponent of honoring people's experiences in all ways, you know, race, gender, things that I haven't experienced, I totally hold space for the fact that other people have totally different experiences because it's kind of like this arrogance, this bigotry, like, well, I haven't experienced it, so it definitely doesn't exist. No, other people have totally different experiences. And I think it's so important to honor everyone's experience. So that's kind of a tangent, but um, it's a personal experience. So it's no, there's no one way of knowing. There's no litmus test that we can take. And it's kind of feels like your world is falling apart. Um, It can be very, very lonely because things are changing. You're rapidly outgrowing things. This is what a quantum leap is. You're rapidly outgrowing your old self, your old life. It can be things externally and you can have a lot of external shifts, but often it's just internal and you're like rapidly becoming a very different person and no one else around you is. So then, you know, it's actually not that fun to go through a quantum leap or to go through a spiritual awakening because you you're totally different. Your values have changed. Your personality has changed. What you enjoy has changed. You know, I used, my life revolved around going out. I was the ultimate party girl for about 10 years. Like my parties were notorious. My mum used to work nights and I would get like all my friends over like 20, 30 people in the house. It would just be like this roaring party when I was a teenager and then everyone would leave. Um, and like spent my twenties, you know, clubbing, everything revolved around getting the right outfit and the photos for the night out. And as I went through my spiritual awakening, I got so incredibly sensitive that I started passing out when I drank and it wasn't because I was so drunk. I was passing out. I'd start drinking and then I'd literally fall flat on the floor and be like throwing up. And it wasn't because I'd got drunk. I'd just got so sensitive, which is great having a fine tuned intuition, but I had to stop drinking so much, you know, a glass of wine and I'm done now. Um, my diet, I've got more allergies because I'm more sensitive to like processed foods, wheat, dairy, things like that. Um, (laughs) 
so you know we we say these things are like really amazing and like glamorous but it's actually pretty hard and you're going to be the only one going through it it's a personal journey that's amazing what you said about alcohol I'm like gonna point gonna hone in on that point for a minute so when I personally similar to you I would have like house parties everyone in the house I would be the drunkest girl in the room giving it socks on the dance floor getting all the shots all the things right when I was younger but over the last couple of years I've definitely disliked the feeling of alcohol a lot more um and not even not even the the feeling on you know having a few drinks on the night but the after like just really sensitive um not hungover but anxious and fearful and all of these emotions would come up and I just really didn't like it and then last summer I started getting um headaches and things like like hot flushes after like one glass of wine and I was like what is this <laughs> like what the hell is going on suddenly I'm getting headaches or you know hot flushes after one glass of wine and now I really don't drink a lot at all. And I avoid those kind of, you know, situations that is around drinking. Obviously, Ireland is known for its drinking and partying. So I just avoid them. But it's definitely something I have noticed being way more sensitive to. I've put it down to age, but it's really interesting what you've said. Yeah, it's definitely age as well. Absolutely. The hangovers get longer um, and you're not drinking as frequently as well. So age is definitely part of it. But like I said, for me, it was very obvious as I was going through my big spiritual waking, doing a lot of like clearing energy work. You know, I was healing. I was feeling great. But then it's like the toxicity was so much more noticeable. And where I was so much cloudier before... I'm like, wow, I must have been really out of tune to be able to drink so much and be able to handle it. Whereas that just stopped stopped happening. I just really noticed the toxicity and it's not just alcohol. You notice the toxicity in your job, you know, your home life, uh, friendships, like all around you become much more sensitive to it. And as you're rising in your power, you have to let go of things. They hold you back. They keep you in the past. And I know for me, it really aligned with where I was in my entrepreneurial journey. And it was definitely hard to, like you said, leave that drinking life behind when everyone else still is doing that. But I was like, I actually don't have time. Like with what I'm doing in my business and my priorities now, I'm not spending two days hungover on the sofa. Like, no, that's not important to me anymore. So it was kind of a gift. It really nipped it in the bud where, like I said, I had two events where I literally passed out, um, and like flat on the floor, head on the floorboards um, after drinking. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm not, not meant to be drinking anymore, clearly. But I was actually quite grateful because I also think that it saved me a lot of um, wasted time on my entrepreneurial journey as well. Yes, definitely. And I think it it comes to a point where you have to prioritize as well. What What is it that you really want to desire? Like, do you want to build this business and this life that you're dreaming of? Or, you know, do you want to keep putting that on the back burner by being out every weekend and being hung over for like three, four days, you know, especially as you get older and and those priorities shift. And so I've always, you know, thought to myself, like you're calling it a spiritual awakening. And for me, it's just, it has always been around more like personal growth and, and growing as a person, as I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, we do a ton of personal development as well. And we read books and, you know, we get into journaling and meditating and talking about our feelings a lot more than the average person. So I think that we do grow 
and can outgrow people around us. Um, I've been quite lucky, I have to say, that some of my you know closest friends are also kind of on this journey, um, either wanting to start a business or they're getting very much into like their health and wellness. So, you know, they're growing in that way. And so a lot of my friends have been and I think those are the friends that I have stayed closest with throughout this this whole time of being an entrepreneur, because I do think we drift from people that maybe aren't on the same wavelength as us. Um, And I did notice that a lot of, like you said, the toxic, a lot of like toxic conversations, even within my friend groups or my extended friend groups that just weren't for me anymore, you know, and I started to move away from that. Definitely. Yeah, I was curious because when you said, you know, you don't know anything about it, I was like, I'm sure you've had a spiritual awakening. Maybe it wasn't just like a big bang moment, but everything you're describing, you know, the journaling, the personal growth. I mean, personal growth is spiritual growth. Your spirit is that non-physical essence of you. And that was what was growing and evolving. So, you know, spiritual awakening, when we use that word, it doesn't mean that your whole world crumbles to the ground and you emerge in this like white robe with a crystal ball. Like that's not, not what it is. It's just, um, it's kind of, it feels like going from a child to an adult, having a big priority shift and really honoring yourself. Like a lot of the work I do is around honoring your, yourself as sacred, like holding yourself as a sacred being. Um, and so I actually think what you're talking about and what I'm talking about are very much the same thing. So I think personal growth, spiritual growth, all the same thing, different label, but it's rising in your power. Because if we look back at those days, you know, we probably weren't, well, I know I wasn't, I can't speak for you, but I wasn't honoring myself as sacred. I had low self-worth. I didn't believe in myself. And it's my spiritual journey, which has been able to solve a lot of that. And I now see myself as very, very powerful, incredibly important, very sacred, very special. Um, And you you touched on the fact that we get to do so much of this growth in our business. And I love that. Like, I literally love that because my second value is growth. I need to be growing all the time. I'm not happy to stay still. And I get to do it through my work and even like investments in coaching and programs that all goes through the business that doesn't come out of my personal salary that I take out every month. It goes through a business expense. So it's so, so great being able to grow through your business. All the books we buy. Yeah. (laughs) I get sent mine for free from Hay House. <laughs> <laughs> I have yours right up there. Um, I yes, I love I love books. I actually have like a queue of books now that I that I want to read. You know, so they, I have a queuing system because someone mentions it and I'm like, yeah, got to get that one. I get that one, and then it's like goes in the queue. But yes, absolutely. I think I've always thought of um, a spiritual awakening as this like bigger shift, like this you know, big, big thing more to be, I've definitely grown on my own spiritual journey as a person. And I think, you know, a lot of people listening will have as well, particularly when they're entrepreneurs. And I think a spiritual awakening to me just felt like something huge, like something really big. And I think that's probably why I didn't associate that language with it. Um, more so of, a growth journey, right? And I'm on this growth path. And But my beliefs and the way, like if you ask even my family about the person I am now versus the person I was five years ago, they will tell you, like I'm a very different person. Um, I've gone from being a very, you know, agitated, um, grumpy, like young adult 
to who was always out partying, like quite selfish, to a person who puts family first and her kids first and who is a lot calmer and, you know, knows how to regulate her nervous system. And yes, I still have my husband will be will be editing this podcast and he'll be like, hang on a minute. Um, yes, I still have my outbursts, of course, we all do. And I still, you know, we have our we have our days. But in general, he will also say that I'm a much calmer person. I think that's down to the work that I get to do. And I just said to you, I think at the start of this um, podcast that we had a death in the family and we had, um, you know, funeral, all of that at the weekend. And but because I knew what to do in those moments, I knew what I needed. I knew that what I was feeling inside my body wasn't good. And then I needed to do some meditation and then I needed to do some breath work and um, ice baths, which are my new love. And that really helped to bring me and lift me out of that. Only for those tools that I get to use, I would be in a different place right now. Absolutely. Do you use um, Oracle cards at all? Because they're also an amazing tool for times like that. Yes, I have the Moonology cards. Um, Yeah, they're the Oracle cards that I have. Yeah, because I find them to be so good for guiding yourself. And I said how I use tarot since I was 14. So helpful for like am I going to get this job? And I'm going to get this grad scheme, like yeah. seeing boys and stuff. And and they always told me the truth. They really, really did. I remember they told me I was seeing this guy, Ed, who was in a band and I was in my second year of university. And it said that, that we were going to break up. We weren't going out, but we were seeing each other. And there's this tarot card, the three of swords, which is a heart with three swords piercing it. And this like black sky, like the worst card for a love reading ever. And, um, it said that, and I was like, Oh crap. But then it had this new man after it. And then it was the wheel of fortune as the outcome, which I had just got tattooed on my arm. And then that happened, you know, he was away on tour and he basically said, you know, never mind, you know, not going to happen. And then that week I met my husband for the first time. And of course that was the wheel of fortune. The wheel of fortune means, um, fate, destiny. And, uh, and I met my husband and, you know, that's just one example, but they told me which book to write for Hay House to get in. You know, I was choosing between three options. One of them was actually a tarot book. And then I chose, okay, I think it was actually the wheel of fortune that told me to do one about finding your life purpose, which then became living in tune. So they're so good for guiding you because with your intuition, it could be so hard, especially in times where you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, you're tired, you know, in, in bad life situations, you don't know what you want. You don't know what you need. Like you don't really know what way to go next because your body is so overwhelmed. You're emotionally drained, all the things. So having something like a card that you can literally just shuffle and pick a card and it tells you what to do next. And when you have a relationship with the cards and then you know to trust them, you have that bond with them, then um, that is so helpful in those times of crisis. Not that I ever recommend when you're like in the center of a crisis, then reaching for your cards because they're probably not going to help. It's not what you need at that moment. But like when you're coming out of it and you're ready to like actually move forward, such a good tool for guidance. Mm, I love cards. I think it's um, even just like I have the um, Roxy Nafusi, her mantra cards on my desk and I get to pull one of those every day. And I just think whether it is whatever cards it is you're leaning into, Oracle, Tarot, Angel cards, it's just 
nice to have some sort of guidance and even just pulling a mantra is a really, really nice thing to do in the morning for your day of how your day is going to go. Now, I have the Doreen Virtue Angel Tarot card, so I don't actually have tarot, but I do definitely want to get my hands on some tarot cards um, because I've always found that those, the angel tarot cards have been always spot on for me or if I do a reading for my friends or like I don't know how to read them all I read them from the book let's be honest like there's a little book that comes with it and I'll read out you know the explanation there but they're always so so incredibly spot on to what's going on in like either my life or my friend's life family member's life and I just love them for that and as a tool for that because it really can help but if you were to recommend tarot cards is there any in particular you'd recommend I'm going to yeah, I'm Take really old school. I've always had the same tarot deck and it's called the Rider Waite tarot deck. Um, so that is like considered the original tarot deck. I think it's Victorian or definitely early 1900s. It's the classic tarot deck. There's lots of new ones. Um, like there's a modern witch tarot. There's lots and lots of new ones. But I find that the traditional tarot deck has the most rich imagery. And I actually work off the imagery. So I don't look at the guidebook, but I, I obviously know the meanings of the cards now. But even now, after what, 17 years of reading tarot, I still notice things in the card that I've never noticed before, which is just amazing to me because they're very detailed. The images, there's lots going on. There's whole scenes in the background. There's um, natural landscapes. There's little characters. There's things at the front. So there's lots to look at. So there's a lot to be drawn to. And that's actually a type of clairvoyance when your eye is drawn to something. People think clairvoyance like spiritual awakening. They think it's so much bigger than it is. But if you've ever been drawn to a sign, if you've ever noticed a feather, that is all clairvoyance. It's anything to do with the eye when your eye is drawn to something that's a spiritual message. So when your eye is drawn to something in the card you've never noticed before, then that's part of the message and that's your clairvoyance working. So that's why I like the Rider Waite tarot deck, the original tarot deck, because um, I just find the imagery so, so rich. And it's what I've always worked with. So when people say to me, oh, I got the six of cups in my head, I'm like, what's the six of cups? And I'm like desperately trying to remember the image because it's all like photographic to me. I just work off the images more than the, more than the names. Yes. And I, I've started actually writing them down. So now when I do my, so I'll do um, like full spread, proper like reading for myself around the full moon and, and the new moon. And I've started writing it down. So to seek, because I'd love, I'd love to see what will happen. I love to see, you know, what, and a lot of the stuff that's kind of present is definitely like spot on, but it's more the stuff it says for the future. What's the outcome that I have started writing down just this month to, to see what happens because I just find it so interesting and I love doing it. Like love to sit down and do it. It's such a nice practice to do for yourself. Um, if you can get some quiet time to do it because yeah, you need, I think you need the space to do it. <laughs> to do it, not with the, my husband watching the football beside me or uh, something. But yeah. Yeah. And how, how often do you do it for yourself? Like, do you Ooh, pull them? Wow. Because I know tarot, right? If I, correct me if I'm wrong, but they are like angel cards are much more um, lighthearted or much more, you know, positive messages compared to tarot is like the real truth. Absolutely. So tarot cards are for divination, which means fortune telling. Now, you can definitely get your fortune from angel card, oracle cards, and basically they're the same thing. They just have words of advice on. 
But the reason you use tarot for divination fortune telling is because it has good and bad cards. And obviously, if you're reading the future and not everything's going to be perfect all the time. So you need the bad cards to tell you about bad things that are coming in the future. So you, I people, some people do, um, but I personally would never want to start my day pulling a tarot card. Like, what's the day going to be? And then it's like, <laughs> oh God, like it's not going to start you off on a, on a good note. So every morning I shuffle an Oracle card deck I have, it's called Pass Around the Smile. You can tell from the name, it's very, very nice. So I pull one of those myself every day and I'm just like, what's, what's today going to be? What's the energy of the day? But I, I do it sporadically. Um, if I'm not stuck on, if I'm stuck with something, not sure about something, and it doesn't mean that I absolutely take it. It just means, okay, do I agree with what is being posed to me here? And it just helps me with that decision-making process because sometimes I disagree with it and I'm like, no, I can, I can really feel this. And it just makes me more certain of what I feel in myself. So it's not to give all of your power away. It's the opposite. It's just a tool to reflect back to you and you either agree with it, which the vast majority of the time I do, but sometimes it helps me to feel more certain in the other direction. Oh, actually, no, I, I don't like that option that you're showing me. I am going to go with it and see what happens because we have the power And, you know, I talked about everything being temporary. The same is true with tarot. It could say, oh, you know, I've had it before with a a client, a one-to-one client last year who said she was going to sign with me. And then I sent her the contract and she was kind of like delaying. And I was like, "Hmm, this isn't good. And then I asked tarot and it was like, "Uh -uh, like not going to happen. And I was like, no, this is going to happen. Like was really certain about it, changed my energy. I read the tower again and it was like later, a few days later. And it was like, yep. And then she did come in. So I think it was just that moment in time because she was thinking she wasn't going to come in. And then that sort of reflected back and then actually it changed and then it reflected back. Oh, she is going to come in now. So everything's always in motion. And um, you know, I've said earlier on, it's about not trying to hold onto things and keep them as permanent. It's really about flowing, being open, having that trust, that sense of safety internally that we don't need to cling on to things, whether it's something that tarot is showing us or a certain phase of our life, just allowing things to move and having that trust no matter what is happening. I think that's been the greatest gift of my spiritual journey. I have massive control issues, anxiety issues, and I've managed to replace most of that with a whole lot of trust, thankfully. Mm, Oh my God, like trust is definitely a big word in entrepreneurship as a whole, because I think when I've done some work like within, you know, energetics and because I'm a strategy, like I'm definitely a strategy gal. Like that's what what I've, you know, come from. That's all my background has been strategy. So I bring in the masculine heavily. But what I have learned over my own journey as an entrepreneur is that I need to do both and I need to have the, you know, feminine energetics as well. And it's now how I help my clients as well is a bit on the feminine side as well, because I do believe we need both. But when you, when you're like thinking about, you know, Maybe it is a path that you want to go down. Maybe it is that you want to go more into a spiritual type business. How do you know to like that trust that is coming through? How do you know where to go with it? Because again, I know it's going to come down to your intuition and going with the flow. But I know personally, I have been given so many different signs and so many different things and got interested in so many different you know, things, whether it's human design or a tarot or other things. And I'm like, I don't know where to go with this next. So for for someone like me or for others that are thinking about going down a more spiritual path with their business, 
what what is worth exploring yeah definitely I think the best advice I can give you here is to think would I enjoy doing this all day because that's the reality of a business and there are so many different things you can do within spirituality and for example astrology human design don't interest me one bit to do. Obviously, I enjoy consuming it, but I don't want to, you know, astrology is very actually numerical. It's a lot of numbers and angles and it's learning a system. That is not the way I am. I'm an intuitive, I'm a creative. So learning something very systematic and then like reading it and replicating it for people just sounds really boring to me. It would be perfect for someone else, similar with human design. You know, it's learning a system, it's charts, it's very technical. And that's not what I want to do all day. So that helps. Like if you think, okay, would I actually, you know, it's different learning something for yourself. I've done multiple things, become certified in multiple things. You know, I'm Reiki, for example. I don't want to do one-to-one Reiki sessions all day. Never have. I use energy healing in my programs, but I'm trained as a Reiki practitioner. I can't imagine much worse than spending all day on one hour calls back to back every day doing Reiki sessions. That's not what I want to do. But teaching, writing all day, every day, forever, please. Like, that's what I love. That's what lights me up. So if you actually think of it, which is, like I said, the reality of having a business, would you actually want to do that thing every day? And Mm. I I even found it with tarot. You know, I did tarot for quite a while, but then I was found I was doing three readings a day and it's very energetically intensive work when you're doing a reading for someone. And oh my God, I was wiped like so Mm. wiped and it wasn't sustainable. I was like, I can't, I can't do this forever. And I also started to find it a bit repetitive as well because it's the same, you know, it's the same set of cards and obviously it's different for each different person, but it started to feel a bit repetitive. I was also doing 12 videos a month for each of the, uh, not tarot signs, each of the Zodiac signs on YouTube. And I was just doing so many tarot readings all the time. I think I got a reading from you you of some sort back in the day. Was it angel card reading maybe that you did for free? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But that, I I loved them for years. Um, But yeah, I found it just a bit repetitive doing those tarot readings. And so when you start to think of it like that, then it starts to narrow things down in spirituality because, you know, you're not going to want to do everything all day. Um, but other people do, you know, I find the same with, I, I was always terrible at sport and Me I enjoy, <laughs> I actually did yoga this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I did yoga this morning and I meet people who are yoga teachers. And in my head, I'm like, how can you do like multiple yoga classes all day, every day? And they love it. And they do like three classes a day. I'm not meant to be a yoga teacher because I don't want to do it every day. So there's a difference between enjoying something, liking it, using it for yourself. And would you actually want to do it all day, every day? Yeah. That's, that is such a good point. My God, I have like had a really aha moment because it's like that is I'm interested in so many different things as I'm sure there's so many people listening to this are like, okay, well, I really love like listening to, you know, my astrology every month or, you know, doing like full moon meditations and things like that. But is it something that you want to do every day? And a good friend of mine was, you know, saying, when are you going to, um, what, what was her question? When are you going to open up to your spiritual gifts, Katie? And I was like, look, I have, and I, my answer to her was that I love teaching marketing and I love teaching. I love what I do. I love podcasting. I love teaching and I love supporting clients in that way. 
And I would do that every day. So yeah, it's just given me this realization that, you know what, you don't have to explore absolutely everything, even if you do have gifts. And But if you don't want to be doing it every day, you don't have to. That no. is, And it's supportive. And I think because um, yeah, I taught in your membership and I think I said yeah. this, that you'll be you're already using your intuition with clients just because, you know, all the stuff doesn't mean that you're constantly in your head referring back to oh this study or this thing from my certification. Like that's not what happens in a coaching call. You're flowing. You're pulling things out. It's very natural. It's this to and fro. So you're already doing that intuitive work. You're not using your head and logic all the time. So it's just supportive of what you're doing. It doesn't have to be the absolute center and crux of what you're doing, but it's just elevating what you're doing and making it flow and making it feel really good. And yeah, I think you're already totally in tune with what you're meant to be doing. It sounds like, so don't put pressure on yourself that you're meant to be doing something else because we can use our spiritual gifts, spiritual wisdom in our personal lives as well, you know, using it for yourself. That might rub off on your children. When you give your friends a, a card reading, you don't have to be a paid tarot reader to benefit and enjoy using tarot cards. Yes, I love actually doing that stuff with my my kids. So there's a book. I don't know if you know it. It's called The Secret Garden, I think it is. Um, and they get to pick the, the, their color cloak and their crystal. And it's like they're creating a garden, but each each part means something of how they might be feeling. Um, so like they pick a tree or they pick a plant or a flower and a magical friend for their garden. And it all relates back to like what that child needs emotionally supportive at that time. Beautiful book. But I love doing that stuff with my kids. Right. So it's, yeah, using using it to however you want to use it. You know, some people will love, like I have such an interest in mediumship. I think it's amazing, but it's not something I would want to explore. I think it would, I think it would actually freak me out a little. <laughs> like It's just not an area I want to go down. Um, but I love to watch and listen to anything about mediumship, right? Because it's just an interest. So like my TikTok is full of all that stuff. Um, because I love to, I enjoy it and I, I really like it. And I think, I think now, I think that 2023, like this kind of year, a lot more people are leaning into spiritual practices, wellness practices and to support themselves mentally, physically. Um, and I think it's incredible. I love the way that everything is going. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it on my stories the other day, but I was having one of my hobbies. I don't know why, because I'm an author. I just love reading reviews on like Amazon and Goodreads. It's really helpful to see for seeing what people do like and don't like in books because there's common themes. Um, but I was reading, actually, you mentioned Roxy Nafusi. I was reading the reviews on Manifest. And this guy, his photo, he looked like a surgeon or a doctor. He had a stethoscope and a white coat. And he'd left this comment saying, I hate these pseudoscientific type of books, so I'm not going to leave a review. But all I can say is that I tried to manifest something and it works. It was very interesting. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. It was honestly the way he'd worded it. Like, I hate these pseudoscientific books. I'm not going to rate it. But it was very interesting and it worked. And I was like, surely that's all you need. Like, you don't need any more than that. You tried it. It worked. Like, that's all you need to know. You don't need to have any kind of external validation or, you know, a study or anything like that. Just give it a try yes. and see what happens. I think people are afraid, yeah. aren't they? They're like, they're afraid to admit it. And Well, just give it a try. You never know if you yeah. don't try. If you really try and it doesn't work then fine but I don't think you can know something like that and people are so quick to dismiss it and they've never even tried it 
So you just can't know. You don't need other people to tell you. Just give it a go. See what happens. Yes. And with your husband, like, is he on, would you say he is on this spiritual journey with you or is he like the opposite? How does that whole dynamic work for you? You, you were so psychic because I was just thinking about my husband and then you asked that question. And the reason I was thinking about <laughs> him was because his mum recommended him read the, recommended that he read The Secret. Uh, this is a few years ago. Now, I'm sure I'd probably recommended it to him because it was huge on my journey, but never did. And then um, he read it and in it, it said, just try something small, like manifest something small. And he luckily, because he's open-minded, he did. And he said, um, okay, in his head, he went, I'm going to try and manifest burgers. And then I texted him, do you want burgers for dinner? And his friend Guy texted him, do you want to go to Crafty Burger tonight? This amazing burger place in Leicester where we were living at the time. And he was like, hmm, okay. And, you know, it's little things like that that is like, wow. And if he'd never been open to trying it, that was his first bit of proof. And now he manifests all the time. Um, you know, just little things, right. We're going to get a parking space. You know, this is going to work out perfectly, whatever it is the situation. And he's so freaking good at it because he's just very unattached. He's insane at manifesting. Um, but it's because he tried it that first time and he got that proof. So yes, he does do manifesting. Um, he's a total opposite to me. He's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. He's an engineer, um, and like maths, all that kind of stuff. I'm a creative so um, very much the opposite. He's not, uh, it's a tough one. He's really opened up actually the last few years. I don't know if I'd say he's spiritual. I feel like that's a little bit strong, but definitely on a personal growth journey. And it's really helped. He, he was really into rugby. He used to play rugby and a lot of rugby players, exactly like you said, you know, they're all on their podcasts talking about well-being, meditation, mental health, gratitude, um, he's read some Hay House books. There's some which are more masculine by male authors. There's one called Why We We Works by um, David Hamilton. There is one called, um, I don't know if you have swearing on here. Uh, F yes. F fuck it. There's one called Fuck It, yes. um, which is written by a man as well. So he has read some some stuff like that. And obviously he's read my book. Um, but there is definitely a zeitgeist happening, which makes me so, so happy. But I'd say he's open-minded. He's definitely into personal growth not to the extreme that I am, but I always say I couldn't be with someone who was really spiritual because I would float off into the clouds. Like I would just talk about <laughs> philosophy and ideas and like the universe and the meaning of it all. I could talk about that all day. That's why I've made it into a career. So if he was like that, my God, like <laughs> I just can't imagine he, yeah. So we have that yin and yang definitely where I've opened him up and then he grounds me and keeps me here. <laughs> yes. I think, I think that's a bit like our, our dynamic as well in, in our family. I think my husband, Keith, he's very much on his own personal growth journey and like that, you know, he'd be open to meditation and he's done yoga and, um, he's doing ice baths now and breath work and things like that. Um, but when it comes to manifestation, or, you know, trusting the universe, he's a bit like, you know, not there yet, but he's definitely on his own growth journey. And even I can see like his perspective and his thought patterns are changing on things. And it's amazing to see. Um, so, yeah, I think it's funny that that book you actually said, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's psychic too. The Why the Woo Works is on my husband's locker yet to be opened, but it is there ready for him to read whenever he feels called to do so. Um, but I think, yeah, like it's amazing that so many more 
men as well are open to it because I do feel it's definitely been more female a lot of females have gone down this route first for sure definitely I've gone to a lot of events you know 200 people in the room three men all women which is really sad because I I think men need it more than anyone yeah Um, you know this kind of stuff but like you say it is changing and um, it just makes me so so happy because I, I think it's so helpful whatever your own spirituality is your own personal growth journey as I said before, it's just about honoring your own power and seeing yourself as sacred, you know, manifesting. You have to believe in your own power to make things happen. And when you don't have that and you don't think that you can be powerful or can make things happen, then that has an impact on your whole entire life in every way. So there's so much to be gained from having these spiritual beliefs and practices just for your own life, whether it's a career or not. I just think, you know, I, I look at my old life and the way I used to be. I'm an entirely different person now. I'm grounded. I'm calm. I used to have an anxiety disorder, eating disorders. Uh, I used to eat really unhealthily. And now I just feel so in tune with my body, my career, you know, in, in every way. And I also know the signals when something is out of tune. And often before we do this kind of work, personal growth work, we just accept things, you know, oh, oh, I don't feel good, but that's, that's the way it is. Whereas when you have that internal sense of power, then you feel empowered to change things and to actually make things happen. I think you become much more aware of your body as well of, you know, like that when you're feeling anxious, you'll know exactly where you're feeling it and what you need to do to, you know, relieve that rather than just sitting with it like I used to and I still I'd say I'd still to some extent have not healed fully this part of me but things like emotional eating you know like I will feel um anxious and if I'm not recognizing that it's anxiety I'll go for emotional food but if I recognize it fast enough I know okay this is anxiety and how to you know go through that um, like I did on Saturday and I did meditation, but like oftentimes I'll emotional eat and I'll go for the emotional food thinking that that will give me, I don't know, that balance comfort, or that, yeah, joy. that comfort. Yeah. So it's just, it's amazing to see like how all of this is helping and benefiting everyone in so many different ways. And I think, to be honest, I think we've got a lot to thank TikTok for. I never thought I'd hear those words come out of my mouth. <laughs> But I think that it's spreading a lot of the, you know, the word and the the effects of this. And although, yes, there's a lot of toxicity on TikTok, but there's also a massive population of positive, you know, messages being spread as well, which is amazing. Yeah. Oh, I loved I actually barely use I'm a lazy TikToker in that I repost my reels onto TikTok. I don't make exclusive content for TikTok. But I'm so grateful for them because they have this uh, collaboration with WH Smith and I can't remember what they call it now. Um, They've got like a hashtag or like a name for it. And my book is in it. So if if you go into WH Smith, they have a whole section. It has all this TikTok branding and it's like the secret um, Moonology, my book, Rebecca Campbell, Kyle Gray, like all these spiritual books. Amazing. And it's because of this hashtag or this movement that's happening on 
TikTok. So I'm so incredibly grateful to TikTok because it's got my book in so many WH Smith stores. And I went in one, this new town I live in now in Devon, and it was right at the front. You've got all the best sellers. And then they have this TikTok section with all of these self-help spiritual books. So yeah, I'm so grateful to TikTok. I, I don't use it that much, but like you say, they have really grown things and younger, younger audiences. Yeah. And the same with the the music industry. So you're saying like about, you know, writing a book and about that getting growth on TikTok. The same with the music industry. I think there's a lot of musicians that have uh, TikTok to thank for their growth, their song going viral and being used as a trend or a dance or whatever. And yeah, it's really helped a lot of musicians come out because it's hard. It's hard being an artist or an author, you know, something creative um, unless you're really, really good at marketing. So it's so helpful when you've got this platform that has that viral opportunity because it's just exploded so many artists and, and authors on there. Absolutely. And you touched on such a good point there. Um, I actually think Hay House gave me a book deal because of my background, because I did my master's in marketing and branding and because that's what I was lecturing in at the time at Southampton University. And I'm pretty sure that's why they gave me it because Gabby Bernstein, huge, she sold millions and millions of books, New York Times bestsellers. Um, her background was PR, Rebecca Campbell. Her background was PR in London. They're not just hiring people that are good writers. They want people that can sell. And that's not just for Hay House. I'm talking about, you know, author author industry in general um you know the thing with being an author or any kind of creative you know it's great to be able to do that but you also need to be able to promote yourself or like you say it's just gonna fade into the background among all of the other books all of the other music actually being able to combine that skill with marketing and having the bravery and that confidence to actually promote it and promote yourself and your work that's what makes it successful you could be the best writer or singer in the world. But if you're a hidden gem and you're not selling yourself, putting yourself out there, no one's ever going to know. Musicians, yeah.
I am, but I haven't got a book deal yet, so I can't promise anything. I'm going to, um, I, again, I'm at that point where I've got, I think it is actually about 30, it's like 60 pages of A4 notes for the second one. Um, and I've also got a name and a like really clear concept. So next month I, um, I've got my birthday after the eclipses, like just, I've got my whiteboard in front of me of all my stuff for April. So I'm like, right, I'm going to do all of that. And then I'm going to start putting it together. But people don't realize how long it takes. So I have to make a proposal, which is a business plan. I have to write 10,000 words of the book as the sample chapters, competitive analysis, promotion plan. Um, it's like all, it's literally a, a full massive business plan. So wow. that in itself will take me a few months. Then I have to pitch it to Hay House. Um, if it's anything like the last book, there'll be some back and forth, you know, we need to do this angle, this title and, you know, have back and forth on that. Then they will give me a book deal and then I have to write it. Then it goes through three different teams of editors, commissioning editor, copy editor, proofreaders, um, and then it gets signed off and then it has to go and get produced, which I believe is overseas because there's a few months from that date the date it gets signed off and then it's a few months until the actual launch date like three months so um yeah don't get too excited about the second book because it will be like probably 2025 2026 wow if they if they even accept it which they may not so the process yeah. that's that's crazy the process my dad has actually written a book um and he's going through editing at the moment it, it's a, a fictional book based on on irish history um and yeah, he's going through, He's he wrote it, gosh, about, I would say, five years ago. Um, and then he edited it himself, like went, you know, went over the whole thing. Then he went to another editor's and it's with another editor now. And, you know, this is before he's even got any book deal or anything like that. It's been a long process. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going down the self-publishing route, which which is different but it like people think it's like you know Adele writing her albums she doesn't just throw one up there every single year it takes time to create incredible work like it really does and your book is fabulous um I love living in tune I actually only went back to it because I told you that that when I started Liz's book living in tune a lot of things happened around that time where I had some really, um, really full on dreams, very much. Um, I think there were messages within my dreams and things like that, that happened. And I had to put the book down for a little while. Do you remember me telling you this? I was like, okay, this just, just becoming a bit too much. Um, so I've just gone back to it and starting it up again. So I'm excited to finish it. I got about halfway through, but I love the way you can do that with this book because it is very much so broken down into the steps that you can take to build on your intuition and, and lean into your intuition. So you can do that, you know, if you're um, if you're going through it or if you're like me, that always has about 10 books on the go anyway. Um, it is really nice to be able to do that. But it's just been it's it was deep for me. And I think that that's why it's such an incredible book. Like I, how did you come up with the concept for the, for the book? Like, I know you've said you wrote down loads of notes, but how, mm -hmm. how did it come back into your steps that you have inside? 
Yeah. First of all, I love that story. And you're not the only person that said that. I've had people say, I've got my hand over the center of the book and it's radiating heat. <laughs> like what is happening? And I was like, that's energy. That's energy. If you go on Goodreads, there's the massive review from someone similar to yours. I went to sleep and was having these insane dreams, you know, everything changed. So obviously I believe it's a magical book, but it's pretty incredible actually the stories that people have said from reading it so thank you for sharing that it is um yeah pretty pretty special and the I mean everyone who messages me said they felt called to it they were like it just called me from across the store so it will it will reach the people that it's meant to reach um but with regards to the framework what I love about it and all of my work I said I balance the masculine and the feminine it's the same with this book so it's a whole structure it's got 21 practical exercises you can do to follow your intuition it's uh, broken down to 21 chapters which I designed knowing that people are busy so each chapter is only two and a half thousand words so you can read that in your morning and like you say close it go off to work and then do the next one the next day and um, there's lots of journaling questions that you can physically do so I very much wanted to ground it I didn't want it to be this esoteric floaty book about intuition and life purpose where you come away from it and you haven't got anything from it I wanted you to be able to implement it action it and have tangible changes in your life afterwards and so I knew for people to get something from the book I had to come up with something that they could do because part of the business plan the proposal is a competitive analysis so you have to read six books five or six books that are very very close to it so I read some books about intuition and life purpose um, and you know they were good but they didn't have this implementable, tangible, practical structure. So you kind of got that feeling like, you, oh, you read it. That was nice, but you know, nothing's really happened. So I really wanted it to be something that people could implement. I always had people in mind, like in my life um, who aren't spiritual, that they could still take something from it. So for example, one of the exercises, I do talk about tarot and oracle cards, but I come at it from the point, you know, even if you're not spiritual, see it as flipping a coin. It shows you an answer. Do you like that answer or not? You don't, you know, I try to make it as accessible as possible. So it's really, really useful. And I came up with the structure because of a coaching client I was working with at the time, actually back in 2020. Um, she's one of the client stories in the book called Corey. And a lot of people at that time when I was doing tarot readings. I learned so much about what people were looking for, what they wanted, what they needed. And so many people were at the beginning stages of their journey and they wanted to know what their purpose was. They hated their job. Um, they didn't know, you know, what to do, how to make decisions for themselves. And that's why they were coming to me as a tarot reader. Whereas when you use your intuition, then it's a lot easier to make those decisions for yourself. And you don't have to pay a tarot reader or whoever every time you want to make a decision in your career, in your love life. So I just wanted it to be something that people could use to feel really, really clear. And that's a common thread through all of my work. I just seem to give people clarity, even if I'm not meaning to. Um, so hopefully this book with all of the journaling questions, the exercises, the words within it um, will help people to just come away feeling clearer and like they know themselves a bit better and they can trust themselves and guide themselves more easily. Yes. And I love that you actually gave prompts and things that you can do because I'm definitely someone who in order to really grasp something. And I like an action. I like to have something to do. So having those journaling prompts and different things throughout the book really helped. But yeah, they, it was, and like you said, I think that it is, it's like, it's like discovering this magical thing that you didn't know existed. 
like I knew that, you know, my intuition existed and all of that. But it's like, like you were saying about the heat coming off the boat, like it's actually crazy the things that can happen when we tap into that other side of ourselves. And um, yeah, my my dreams were very very, they were more like nightmares. Um, <laughs> they were very intense, but it was, it was more, I suppose not more, um, of like a visitation in my dream, I would say, um, from someone who had passed that I didn't know had passed. It was very, very strange. So yeah, it was just a lot to, to take in, but I'm definitely excited to explore it again and get further into the book this time. And I think you like that. You you may not be ready for some of the stuff that comes up, but I think you actually mentioned that in the book that, you know, it's it can be it can be hard to like we're learning so much about ourselves within that journey of those steps. And I think that it's yeah, it's important to to know when the right time is for you. Like you need to give it that time and that space. Yeah, definitely. I was actually messaging someone on Instagram today who said she'd read the book and it brought up all of this ancestral trauma and she's been crying all day. And I was like, wow. She's like, yeah, I got it from doing the journaling prompts. Um, And it like brought all of this stuff up and made it really clear. Like I said, that seems to be like my sole gift, Um, all made it clear to her. And then, but as you know, you know, when things become clear, you realize things that then can spill out all of this trapped emotion and healing that needs to be done. You spend days crying. So, um, yeah, I actually had that conversation today, but I do believe in divine timing. I think that if you feel called to the book and you read it at a certain point in time and that does happen, then that is for your benefit, even if it's hard at that period of time, that is just part of your healing journey. And once you get through to the other side of it, then you're going to feel lighter, um, better. You will have moved out that emotion so you can move forward more easily because the book is also about flow. You know, that's what living in tune is. Living in tune is the feeling of being aligned. Like everything is smooth. You're doing what you're meant to be doing. You're who you're meant to be. It's in psychology, it's called congruence when the version of you on the inside matches the life you're living on the outside. Whereas I know for me and probably for you, when we were living that party life in jobs that we hated, we were presenting one persona to the world and inside we were suffering or, you know, we weren't happy. That's not congruence. That's not living in tune. Whereas living in tune is just alignment. Your inside matches the outside life that you're living. You're living in line with your truth, what feels good for you. And it just feels a lot more flowy. And that's why the cover art is this resonar image of flowing. We wanted to capture that essence of flow, which is the feeling that comes from living in tune. When I'm book writing, my goodness, time loses all meaning. That is like the ultimate flow. Or you have it when you're teaching. I have it on like Sacred Sisters calls and I'm like, whoa, holy crap. Okay. That's been 55 minutes. We better go guys. Yeah. Like, like you just, you lose time. And that's one of the definitions of flow, um, in a psychological sense is that time loses all meaning. Um, and that can happen as well because you're enjoying it. You're in the moment. Mm. That's why we say time flies when you're having fun. So it's also about achieving flow because that is a side effect that happens when you make those changes in your life, which can be uncomfortable if you're not already in tune, because you have to get in tune first. But when you do the outcome is that life becomes so much more fun. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love what you said about time. And it's so true. It's like when you're enjoying something, the time will go so quick. But when you're not, you remember back to when you're sitting in a classroom where you have an an exam or something and you're like, 
come on like when you know the time is just going so slow and you just want to get out of there but when you're actually enjoying something it flies and yeah I think that doing doing you know what you love and being in that alignment it's always going to be the best path for you but just sometimes it takes that little bit of push to push yourself to get there to push yourself to you know trust yourself to push yourself to go and read Roberta's book and or Liz Roberta's book and go and read it and take it in and do like what what it is that you want to do or that you love to do I think it's so important to give yourself that opportunity you know absolutely agree Amazing. Well, come here. Tell me about your Sacred Sisters because you have a beautiful membership. Um, tell everyone how they can find you, how they can sign up and where they can buy your beautiful book as well. Yeah, absolutely. So everything happens at lizrobata.com. I have details about my Sacred Sisters membership in there, which is a community for women who are rising in their personal lives and also in business as well. So we have a lot of coaches, uh, healers, therapists, and it's a beautiful blend of healing, but also some business as well. I have a lot of Hay House authors in there. So that's a really fun space. Um, Instagram is where I'm most active in terms of social media. So it's at I am Liz Roberta. My book is is everywhere um so you can get it in a store or you can get it online um you know amazon wh smiths waterstones target barnes and noble yeah you'll find it anywhere um but it's called living in tune and uh yeah if you do read it after this then please do let me know what happens on instagram i love nothing more than when people reach out to me and tell me about the experience because otherwise what happens is you have all these people buying the book you don't you know you don't know they've read it bought it something may have happened but you have no idea and it's so satisfying as an author to actually hear the journey of the book after you've created it and released it so really really would love to know what it brings up for people um and yeah i'm so excited here oh and also i have a gift you mentioned the free angel card reading and last week i set up a link lizrobrata.com forward slash reading where you can get a free angel card reading now this is a podcast only gift so it's not linked anywhere promoted anywhere except when i'm on a podcast talking about the book so this is a brand new bonus you get a free card reading lizrobetta.com forward slash reading i totally manifested that one (laughs) me talking about it just earlier and i I remember it was amazing the the angel card reading that i had as well um i cannot remember what was in it. it was so long ago but I remember feeling amazing after it. So thank you so much for that. I will drop all of your details in the show notes as always. Thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Liz. It's been amazing. And I will speak to you all on next week's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you. Bye.